Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. In this life, there are just three things that you can count on. Death, taxes, and win, lose, or draw. Drew Brees leading a high-powered offense for the NFC South's New Orleans Saints. Will the ageless wonder stay hot, or will Father Time finally catch up? Tyler Raymond from the Who Dat Dish podcast joins us on the NFC South preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. We are finally past the halfway mark of the 14 episodes that we will have once we're done previewing all of the opponents for our beloved Chicago Bears, including their own worst enemy, the Chicago Bears themselves. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the NFC South preview, part number two of the Chicago Bears review. This time, the third place finisher from a year ago in the New Orleans Saints. We had the uh, Panthers just a few days ago. And uh, we'll have uh, Tampa Bay coming up next with the Falcons closing things out uh, in the NFC South. Uh, Tyler Raymond from the Who That Dish podcast going to be joining us here uh, in a few minutes to uh, to discuss everything uh, with the Saints 2015, 2016 and 2017 and uh, uh, and beyond. And, um, you know, we mentioned it before on how quickly uh, Tyler and I were able to hook up when uh, you know, it's, I don't want to make it sound like he's like my concession prize or my consolation prize uh, or anything like that. Ultimately, everything works out the way that it should. And granted, you know, because of my affiliation, if you will, as far as like most of the people that I have on the show were from the SB Nation site. Um, you know, you know that you guys know that I have strayed from SB Nation quite a few times uh, since I started doing this. And um, because of the lack of communication from Canal Street Chronicles, not trying to muddy their name or anything like that but they said they would have somebody on the show and then i when i asked for someone they gave me nothing so i had to go looking i found tyler raymond and things worked out the way that they were supposed to so had a really great talk with him you'll be hearing that in just a few moments and uh you know the one thing about doing these shows and banging them out uh every three four five days or or whatever it ends up uh being is that uh you don't really give yourself a lot of breathing room for news to pop up so Nothing really to report uh, for the Bears. Uh, uh, just read a couple of articles, uh, some like-minded uh, Bear fans thinking like I do, that the, they should be uh, talking with Akeem Hicks about uh, contract extension. Uh, he was only, He's only signed a two-year deal, and he's already outplayed that deal. I mean, he was an absolute beast uh, for the Bears up front last year. The only guy, I think, that started all 16 games uh, on that defensive front because... Eddie Goldman sure as hell didn't do it, and neither did Mitch Unrein or anybody else that they put up there uh, with them. So, you know, this is definitely a guy we want to reward and keep him around uh, for a while. And, um, you know, I did read one that was uh, one of those best off-season best off move, worst off-season season, 
uh, move. And uh, the one at the, the very top was the, the best offensive mo- offseason move that the Bears made was letting go of uh, Jake Cutler. Um, you guys know that I'm a, I'm a mixed bag on that. Uh, I put Jay in the lovey category that um, I didn't necessarily want to see Jay go, but I just knew that it was time for somebody else to, to, to give it a try. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of where I fall in. Like um, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't exactly somebody screaming for Cutler to be thrown out the door, but uh, you know, I wasn't exactly going to, you know, keep him from leaving kind of thing. It probably is a better idea that you go uh, kind of thing. So, um, but that was listed as the very first best offseason move uh, that the Bears made. The other one was um, retooling the secondary, which I don't think any Bear fan who's watched any games that they played the last couple of years would disagree with uh, there. Uh, I think that uh, most of you would agree with me in that there's a lot more that they could have done, especially in this particular offseason and this goddamn draft. But, uh, you know, I digress. Um, you know, <laughs> this draft in particular, uh, yes, it still bothers me. It does. Uh, and it's going to bother me until I see what happens with this class. And then it will either be, and I told you so, or, Hey, look out, hey, you know, maybe Ryan Pace is a genius after all kind of thing. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see uh, on that. But, uh, you know, worst off season moves, um, one, number one was letting Alshon Jeffrey go and looking at the. Uh, group, I guess, would be a a delicate term uh, of receivers that we have. We went from having one number one to settling for a group of twos and threes uh, to be our wide receiving core. We, I mean, uh, Victor Cruz was a one at one point, but injured his way out of that. Um, you know, so I mean, we're 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 playing on on hopes and dreams with with Victor Cruz. Marcus Wheaton was a guy that uh, it was looking for his opportunity that he wasn't going to get in Pittsburgh, so he came to Chicago uh, to try to get a chance. I mean, so we got we definitely got guys that are hungry uh, in that group, but uh, letting Alshon Jeffrey go uh, was a uh, was a mistake for sure. So one that I don't necessarily think is going to seal the Bears' fate by any means, but as far as you know, that was the most talented guy that we had on the field. Uh, last year, aside from maybe Jordan Howard uh, last year. But, um, you know, there are going to be times where we're going to miss that that guy for sure. So um, that was the only other one that I can remember at this point. But like I said, I'm just milking it at this point because, you know, like I said, we, we, we just put out a show four days ago. So the last show that I did, I really was scrounging for, for, for news there. So how about some questions? Maybe you guys could send me questions, you know, while we're waiting for something to happen in this absolute dead period of the season. How about you guys send me some questions? Send them to me on, on Twitter at Shy Bears Review. Email me, Chicago Bears Review at Yahoo.com, or hit up the, uh, the, the, the Facebook page at Chicago Bears, Chicago Bears Review. Just search Chicago Bears Review on, on Facebook and you'll be able to uh, find it. How about some questions for the show instead of me trying to do some, uh, you know, our new president's favorite term, fake news, uh, trying to make it up as I go kind of thing, just so I can pad the runtime of the show a little bit. How about you throw me some questions and then we'll spark a conversation that way. That sounds good to me. So uh, anyway, we got Tyler Raymond coming on. Uh, found him with the Huda Dish uh, podcast from fansighted.com. Uh, We've had a few friends uh, from that site join us on the show uh, before. Um, 
uh, Chris uh, Chris Schultz from the uh, Schwartz, I should say, from G-Man HQ was on Fansided. That was uh, last season. We had him on the show and a couple of others uh, that were able to, you know, Sequoia Sims for the 49ers last year was from Fansided. So, um, you know, we've got some friends uh, from that uh, from that website. So, um, you know, r- worked out really well that uh, Tyler was the one that ended up being on the uh, on the show. And, uh, you know, what do you say we go ahead and and, and dive into it, you know, and, and join uh, myself and Tyler Raymond in previewing the 2017 New Orleans Saints. Moving right along in our NFC South preview, we're going to be talking about the New Orleans Saints and to help join us or to join us to help us get through the Saints and what they did in 2016 and what to look forward to 2017 from the Who Dat Dish podcast. We have Tyler Raymond. Tyler, welcome to the Chicago Bears review. Thank you so much for having me, Larry. I like I said earlier, I appreciate you for having me on and I'm excited to talk some football. So, yeah, let's get started. Yeah, so I shared the story, I think, on my last episode, the episode before, on how it is that I ended up with you uh, being on the show. I had reached out to Canal Street Chronicles on SB Nation. Initially, they agreed to have someone come on the show, but when it came time to schedule and find that person, it was nothing on the other end of the phone. I look up, <laughs> well, let's find some other Saints people then. So I start looking yeah. at the other blog sites. Fan Sighted is where uh, Who Dat Dish is, and they started there. It was this year you started the podcast, right? Uh, yes, it was. I think right now, where July 3rd will be mine and my fellow writers, uh, Dayton Brown. He's also who works for Who That Dish, our fourth uh, fourth episode of the podcast. Four episodes. Yes, then, um... brand new. So. All right. <laughs> so, so you know, I go and I find it. I, I, I find, and that's actually why I chose you guys, was because uh, when I pulled up the Who That uh, Dish site, the, one of the first articles I saw was, hey, who that dish podcast is like, well, who else would I want to have on a podcast, but a guy that's got his own. So I, I went in there and it's like, first of all, like three or four articles I saw at the top had your name on it. Then I saw you yeah. were one of the hosts, like, boom, that's the guy I want. Sure uh, enough. Thank you, man. And here he is. So, um, <laughs> Tyler, with all our new friends that we have here on the show, and I warned you about this just a few minutes ago, we like to find out some things, get a little background on you. So, um, sure. how long have you been a fan um, where are you from, and mm-hmm. do you have a favorite New Orleans Saints moment? Okay, so uh, I'll just start off where, uh, with where I'm from. Uh, you know, my name's Tyler Raymond. It's funny. Uh, I am a diehard Saints fan, but I'm actually not from New Orleans, although, although I have visited the city twice. I'm actually from uh, a city called Syracuse, New York. It's basically a little area upwards of central New York where I reside in and the funny part is though although it may be the state of new york there are actually a good amount of saints fans up here so that's always Hmm. nice uh let's see Uh, the other two questions you said uh, the favorite saints moment okay so obviously uh, a close moment dear to my heart would be the super bowl but that's not the moment i'm going to choose okay i think as a saints fan just experiencing the city and the emotion the culture that brings down to um you know that comes with the uh the new orleans saints and my moment would have to be a couple years ago me and my family went down to the city itself to vacation and 
I got to talk really personal and closely with, uh, you know, different Saints fans, different Saints residents. It was really nice. And what was the third question? Question you said, Larry? How long have you been a fan? Oh, okay. So, sorry with that, too. Uh, um, I've been a fan ever since a defensive end, Will Smith, joined the Saints. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple years ago in New Orleans. But what happened was, up here in New York, our family, our local residents, like to follow people that have, you know, that have made it big up in this area. Now, my grandmother, who is actually from Utica, New York, followed this local boy named Will Smith, not the actor, but Will Smith, went to Utica Proctor High School, who made it big, went to Ohio State, and ever since, we followed him throughout his college career, too, when he got drafted by the New Orleans Saints. So we figured, hey, why, uh, why don't we choose this team, you know, to follow? And ever since, I've been a diehard fan. So how many how many years would that be? I know Will Smith is what o two o three something like that. I think or? like something around. I think I'm gonna say like two thousand two two thousand one right. when we started uh, being fans. But myself personally, you know, I was really young at the time. I'm now twenty. The last few years, I've really I, I like to put a kick it into high high gear as far as on sure. my passion, my diehardness for the team. Right. But I've been a Saints fan for a while. Right. Well, uh, you are considerably younger than me. Uh, Tyler, because I go back to um, the first real season that I remember following from pillar to post from beginning to end was actually the 85 season for the Bears. Wow. Um, And I I lived in Chicago at the time. That's a story all unto itself right there, because not not only was it as exciting as a country to watch the 85 Bears do what they did. It was 10 times more exciting to be in Chicago while the Bears were, you know, becoming immortal for the for that one particular uh, season so but um yeah so i mean that's definitely you know landmark uh uh for me so we we, we dive in to your saints here sure. um 2016 seven and nine so <laughs> not great um four out of the last five seasons they finished with uh with seven wins 2013 being the lone exception with 11 wins and a, play, a playoff run that year right yeah 2013 and yep. you know um, more troubles on the road than at home, and, and even even home isn't what it used yeah. to be uh, for the Saints. The home used to be an automatic W uh, oh, for the Saints. You know, seven and one, eight and you know, eight and eight and zero oh was basically the home schedule. Only four and four at home last year, two and six on on, on the road, giving you that seven and nine record. Um, yeah. You know, is it is it because you don't have the same tools on offense that you had once before, or is it because you know, Rob Ryan really laid an egg with the defense again last year. <laughs> I will say this, though. I believe, personally, from what the team has done from last year to this year, I think they're making big strides to really improve on everything they, in the past, have fallen short with. You know, Rob Ryan had that one season with the Saints, you know, when we uh, when we made the playoffs that one year in 2013. Ever since, <laughs> like you said, he sort of laid an egg again. It didn't really work out, but... Uh, like last year, though, I wouldn't exactly say the offense was an issue as far as what weapons we didn't possess. My main concerns would be the special teams sort of um, counting their chickens before they hatch and the defense falling flat. You look at a lot of different games the Saints had last year, uh, a lot of the issues were the special teams not really coming into play or the defense giving up uh, late leads or the defense giving up a last possession drive that the opposing team would score on but as unfortunate as it was last year though I, 
I would hope that the Saints are in a position right now where they can improve from their mistakes that happened last year. Well, looking at the at the win loss, the wins and losses, the scores more yeah. specifically, um, basically the Saints were in a position. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from what I remember from about last season and just looking at the at the scores here, they're one of those teams. And I know, and it sounds silly for, to say this, but it, it's the object of the game. But the Saints were in a position where they had to literally outscore oh, their opponents last year. It, it wasn't so, because I'm looking at it, and I'm only counting two games where the opponent scored less than 20 points, and ironically enough, they lost both of them. The 16 to 13 to the Giants and 16 11 to the to the Buccaneers. So there were only two games on the entire schedule where they allowed less than 20 points. And let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, six games where they allowed more than 30. Um, So I mean, that's that's a daunting task. And you know, in in some and the funny thing is, you won some of those games. 35-34, 41-38, 41-23, 49-21, 48-21, 35-34, to 41-38, 41-23, 49-21, 48-41. So the offense didn't really have any problems scoring points. It's just those days when the defense couldn't stop the other team from scoring points is where the Saints ran into trouble. Exactly, and that's where the reoccurring theme was. You look at – now, don't get me wrong. The Saints have an explosive offense regardless – well, for the most part, regardless of who they have in there. Drew Brees, in my opinion, is a future first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. For sure. And with the right tools, can get a lot of things done very quickly. It just depends on, okay, when you take Drew Brees out and you put that defense in, how much, how many yards is the opposing offense going to get? How many uh, touchdowns are the is the opposing offense going to score that you have to say, okay, Drew, let's get you back in? And, you know, it's like it's a back and forth with the Saints. Unfortunately, he can't keep up. You know, Drew Brees right now, I think, is, I believe, 38 or 39. And his best days are behind him. And if the Saints want to continue to be what they once were, they're going to have to improve their defense. You know, but it's unfortunate. When you look at we're sort of wasting his career. When you, when you look at what we're doing and then what we're giving up, you know, it's almost uh, comical when you think about it. Well, I mean, I, I really do kind of equate him to be the, the NFC version of Tom Brady in that he's a plug-and-play guy. Yeah. Whoever you put on the field with him is going to be uh, successful. I mean, because look at the you know menagerie of receivers that Tom Brady's had in New England, and somehow yeah. these guys are churning out 1,000-yard seasons, and Brady's leading the league in touchdown passes and so on and so forth. Breeze, on the other hand, is doing the exact same thing, averaging 5,000 yards uh, a season, which is in, in just insane, and you know the the, the Saints having no problems uh, scoring points. But like you said, last year was a wasted season because you know Breeze and company were lighting up the scoreboard, but the defense wasn't holding up uh, its end, giving up these late leads. Like like week one in particular against the the Raiders. I remember listening to that game on the radio, like on my way back home uh, from the first Bear game uh, of the season. And listening to how it all went down there at the end, and the the two point conversion and, and and everything with the uh, with the Raiders uh, being able to pull that one pull that one out, unfortunately, it was the beginning of an zero three start for the Saints last year. Yeah, it was. And you look at the funny part is we look at the next game after that. A little little subtle things that happened that screwed the Saints over, in my opinion. And it didn't even have to be the defense. Obviously, you look at the Raiders. The Saints could have won that game if the defense, you know put its foot down. You look at the Giants, who the Saints ended up playing week two. That was a very, I mean, although the offense didn't play 
very great, uh, very good at that game. The defense at points uh, had times where they could put their foot down and stop the Giants. Or very yet when um, the special teams are – we had a rookie kicker last year, Larry, and it was Will Lutz who we signed from Baltimore. And although he's coming into his own now, uh, a lot of the Saints' issues last year were fortunately him – needing to work on his trajectory. You look at, for example, the Giants game that I mentioned, or even the Broncos game, just the trajectory wasn't good enough. But, like I said, though, you know, the Saints always seem to get it done on one side of the field, which is the offense, but when it comes to everything else, <laughs> that isn't exactly guaranteed, you know. But So who's in charge of the defense now? I know Rob Ryan uh, is gone. He was actually yes. gone last yep. year. Who, who's, who's running the defense now? Right now, it's going to be uh, Dennis Allen. And the thing is, with the New Orleans Saints, they actually signed a bunch of uh, different play uh, different uh, play callers, too. Let me just quickly pull that up. But basically, I don't know if – I'm trying to remember if uh, Mike Nolan played a coach with the Bears. I don't believe so. No. But the Saints brought in a bunch of different coaches to help. Because what they did was they, they basically said, look, if we want anything to change, we're going to have to almost retool our entire coaching staff. And Dennis Allen was the Dennis Allen was previously with the Saints the year they had Rob Ryan. Dennis Allen was actually below him, but they moved Dennis Allen up to defensive coordinator and cut everybody else. They cut a bunch of guys on special teams. They cut every single coach that wasn't Dennis Allen on the defense. And let me just pull it up for you really quick. But they have now. As a secondary coach, I believe, is Aaron Glenn. He was formerly with the New Orleans Saints a long time ago. As a cornerback, they have Mike Nolan as the linebacker coach. They have Ryan Nielsen, who I believe was a coach for college, who now coaches the defensive line. So it's going to be a bit of adjustment, getting all the new coaches situated, learning the players, learning the schemes. But as long as it's not Rob Ryan, I believe it's an upgrade right now. And Dennis Allen is actually trying to implement a different scheme compared to what Rob Ryan has used in the past. It's a 4-2-5. Mm, the okay. Saints really take advantage of, of their secondary players. Now, I'll just quickly go into it. The Saints this year did a lot with their secondary. They brought in a bunch of different guys to, you know, to re-help, uh, to give a lot better um, depth purposes to our secondary. You know, because last year, obviously, when uh, offenses were lining up, our defense didn't exactly have an answer to that so mm-hmm. but yeah a defense um as far as defense goes dennis allen is our main man now and um uh he's getting things done hopefully for the saints so, so to, to move into you know free agency after uh you let rob ryan go um uh, you sign i see you got rafael bush um yep. alex okafor from arizona manti teo uh from yep. the chargers the, the joke for that guy that's never gonna go away <laughs> unfortunately and aj klein as well yep. yeah yeah and you got AJ Klein on the defensive side, and you brought Chase Daniel back to uh, New Orleans. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr. Is he going to be more of a special teams guy, or do you think he might help out on offense as well? Oh, I think he's absolutely going to have a part in this offense. You look at what the Saints unfortunately lost this past off season. Unfortunately, their biggest um, player that left was Brandon Cooks, the wide receiver who we sent to New to New England. So obviously, he had a really big role in the offense last year. But this year, I, I see what I envision as the main starting three for, you know, for the wide receivers. I have Michael Thomas, who was formerly the number two, who, who's going to be stepping up this year for the number one 
I will at least need the slot wide receiver who will be our number two guy. The Tekken Jr., despite his age, uh, I think he, with the help of Breeze, could be very um, uh, versatile for the Saints. You look at what he does on, not in the offense, but on special teams as far as his, um, his uh, punts and kicks returning. You know, returning punts and kicks. You look at what he was able to do with various teams throughout his career. Last year, he was with Carolina, but I believe he gives a really good presence to the Saints. You know, a good veteran uh, wide receiver presence that the Saints could desperately need, you know, now that they lost Brennan Cooks. Yeah, and then you went ahead and uh, added this guy, um, Adrian Peterson. (laughs) Went ahead and and signed that guy. I've only, you you know, seen him twice a year for the last decade, so... (laughs) I'm not all that familiar with him. And um, then Larry Warford, you signed away from the Lions to try to help up front uh, as well. And like you said, uh, Brandon Cooks among the losses. Uh, Kasim Edibadi? Uh, Edibadi, yeah. He yeah. was a, uh, an edge rusher who went with uh, went to the Denver Broncos. Right. And then Tim Hightower signed with the with the Niners. And then Jarius Bird, who was unfortunately a failed experiment, <laughs> was a yeah. huge, you know, big-time free agency signing. Uh, when he was, uh, you know, when he was on the market, and the Saints were able to to scoop him up, and you never really lived up to the to the salary that he was granted uh, to join the yeah. team. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. And I'll just go into quickly um the acquisitions that we did as far as um where we're going with them. You look at everything the Saints tried to accomplish with, you know, obviously last year we're from the right perspective. We're almost like the Jeff Fisher of the NFL, you know. Uh, who was formerly with the Rams. But um, right now, the Saints mainly focused on the defense, acquiring, like you said, different players, for example. Uh, I know you mentioned the people we acquired during the offseason, but even during the draft, Trey Hendrickson, a defensive end out of Florida Atlantic, who can help uh, rush uh, pass, you know, be an edge rusher for the Saints. Because the Saints, unfortunately, haven't really had a defensive end on the opposite side of Cameron Jordan. You have... Alex Anzalone in the third round that we acquired a linebacker. You look at Marcus Williams, a, a free safety that we acquired in the second round. You even look at the cornerback we acquired in the first round, Marshawn Lattimore. So the Saints are making moves on defense. It's just a matter of fact is, is the time given going to be enough for the Saints to actually learn what they unfortunately didn't do last year, pick it up, and change things around next year? The draft class was really, really interesting uh, to me because you had seven draft choices, same as everybody else gets every year, except that the first six were in the first three rounds. Uh, You had two first-rounders, a second-rounder, and then three third-round picks, and you only had one day three pick in the sixth round, which became a defensive end, uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad. And um, But in the first round, Marshawn Lattimore, that's a name that Bear fans are familiar with because he was rumored at times in certain mock drafts to be where the Bears were going to go at number three. Uh, Ryan Ramchick, an offensive tackle, was somebody I was hoping would be there in the second round for the Bears because God knows we could use an offensive tackle. <laughs> yeah. And then Marcus Williams, another guy that was on the Bears' radar because if the Bears went offense or defensive line in the first round, Marcus Williams was somebody that was supposed to be there at like 40, 37 when the Bears were picking uh, a second time. So these are names that I am all that we're all familiar with. And Alvin Kamara, the running back in ten, from Tennessee, also in the third round. And then you already talked about Anzalone and uh, Hendrickson. Yeah. This is a defense. This is a draft class that um, you know is going to make or break the future 
of the team. You know, because when you're drafting in the first and second and third round, these are guys that are supposed to be key contributors in a very short period of time. If not right away, then definitely year two. And you've got six guys from this class alone in that, you know, one to three, first to third round area. I think you're, you're probably looking at what, like four starters that you want to get out of this group of people that are contributing this year. Yeah. It's funny. Actually, we talked about starters. I'm actually looking at ourleds.com is a depth chart, a website that creates depth charts, you know, about the various NFL teams. And I'm looking at right now and this, what the saints are going to try to implement is for example, on the defense, because we were talking about that, the saints are sort of, uh, for certain position, uh, positions, throwing out and seeing what's sticking. You know, right. they're trying a lot of different schemes. They're trying a lot of different rotations to see, you know, who really fits the mold of what they're trying to accomplish for this defense, you know, because they don't want the defense to be a liability for next year, you know, because it, it has to keep up with the high-paced high offense that the Saints always run. I'm hoping, I'm I'm really hoping that we at least keep five of the six players we drafted. If I could see one player not making it possibly, it would probably be, Al-Qaeda Muhammad, because of the def- uh, the de- uh, the defensive line depth that we have. But I'm hoping players like uh, Trey Hendrickson could maybe fill in with Alex Okafor at a rotational defensive end position. You look at Alex Anzalone could maybe take either the, I think, one of the outside linebacker positions the Saints need someone to fill in for. You look at Marshawn Lattimore, who was actually projected, like you said, uh, near the top of the draft who fell down to us. I'm hoping if he picks everything off, he could help compete with P.J. Williams and Delvin Bro on the outside, you know, for cornerbacks. Even Marcus Williams, who is a really good free safety, who could play a 15, 20 yards deep and could help make plays on that end. So it just, like I've been uh, reinforcing, the Saints drafted pretty well. It just, it's a matter of time. What are they going to do with those players and how big of an impact they make for us next year? So here's a question for you. Sure. You know, you guys, yeah. m- you, you guys murdered in the draft this year. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you got those six picks in, 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 you know, the first six picks in the top 100, 103. So you got, you know, five players in the top. Well, hell, the third, the, the second third round pick was number 76. So you got five players in yeah. the top 76, three, or, you know, six players in the, you know, inside the top 105. Where does this leave you guys next year? Because the, these were deals that had to be made to get these extra picks. I mean, do you guys still have your full slate of picks next year, or what? What is the, you know, what's going to be missing from next year? You know, in order to make some of these moves this year. You is the thing. You see, the interesting thing is, I'm going to try pulling up now to find out uh, what we actually have. But in the meantime, the interesting thing about the New Orleans Saints is every time they, you know, they're obviously they're a bold team. Mickey Loomis and Champagne. One of those teams to say, look, if we want to succeed now, they're going to have to put out everything, put out everything, and it means uh, to succeed. Now, I've just found the picks. The Saints this year, unfortunately, do, next year, unfortunately, do not have a second-round pick. They traded that so they could pick up Alvin Kamara, who is a pretty decent running back, and I believe could actually be a mixture of a Pierre Thomas or a Darren Sproles how we utilize those players. So I'm hoping with the mixture of Adrian Peterson, Mark Ingram, and um, Alvin Kamara, we can actually be pretty efficient on offense. But to get back to what you were saying about, about the picks, the Saints are always a bold team. They figure, you know, uh, let's not always think about what's going to happen in the future, but let's think about what's going to happen now. 
We are a team that has been to a Super Bowl, has won a Super Bowl. We want to do it again. So let's put everything we have around our quarterback and get him to another Super Bowl now. So in that process, the Saints picked up a running back in the third round, but they gave up their second-round selection to do it. So as far as 2018 goes, they have a first-round selection, a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and possibly a conditional seventh. Uh, that they traded Jalen Sanders to the Patriots for. So, uh, conditional seventh there. But as far as everything goes, though, who knows? These picks might work out for the team. They might not. But with the New Orleans Saints, you always go bold. Yeah, the top four picks, Lattimore, Ramchick, Williams, uh, Kamara, these were names that I heard all over the place on draft weekend, and they all landed in the same spot (laughs) with the the Saints. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I I, I talked to um, AFC North teams before I started with the NFC South, and the the one GM that I that I think's got a horseshoe up his butt is Ozzie Newsom. You know, mm-hmm. that guy you know is one of the most patient people in the league, and people always you know great players always fall to him in the draft, or things happen to him like the the Elmas Doomerville thing where the, a, a, a missed fax or whatever frees him up from Denver and there he is to be taken by the by the Ravens and so on yeah. you know it just seems like there was some zen like patience aside from the Alvin Kamara trade some zen like patience to have guys like this land in your lap uh you know five five top 76 players uh you know this year it was pretty uh pretty outstanding uh for the for the Saints and uh you know <laughs> uh, you know I... only one day three pick that's that's uh some pretty masterful work there uh, by the, uh, yeah, by the and, front office. Dude, go off what you said there. You know, some of it I think was more about what the Saints did to sort of get in that position. They wouldn't have had a second first round selection if it weren't for you know giving away cooks. But luckily for the Saints, I don't know if you heard about this, but the Saints unfortunately lost their starting uh, uh, all star left tackle in Toronto Armstead. He's gonna be out at least four to six months with a torn labrum. So. You, I wouldn't say exactly, um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I will say it was sort of clever how the Saints, you know, I'm like a, a really nice wide receiver the Saints could have picked up or someone near the end of the first round, but that they went offensive line. You know, the Saints are really clever in a sense that Sean Payton has a knack or Mickey Loomis has a knack for looking at specific players and finding who's available in the draft, but... You know, I, I, I'm hopeful that everything works out in their favor, especially with this year, you know. But. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, it's the the Saints are, you know, they have a choice to make. And that, that tough choice is coming up because Drew Brees is not getting any younger. So eventually you're going to have to make the choice. And for at least for 2017, the choice was made to continue to try to win now as opposed to, you know, reshuffling the board. You know, getting you know at, at the very least drafting the heir apparent to Drew Brees or any moves like that haven't been made yet. So you're putting all of your eggs in the Drew Brees basket and and putting together a football team that can help you win in 2017. Yeah, and to go off of what you said there, um, when I look at the roster right now, obviously the Saints, as far as what they have for quarterbacks go, for those who aren't aware, they obviously have Drew Brees under center. Under center, like we said earlier, they re-signed. Uh, Chase Daniel, uh, the quarterback who has been in the system before. And the two quarterbacks at the very bottom, they're not exactly the guaranteed, you know, uh, uh, heir apparent to the Drew Brees throne, but uh, Ryan Nassib, a, fo- a 
former Giants quarterback, former Syracuse quarterback, which is actually interesting. I live near Syracuse, but um, and Garrett Grayson, who hasn't exactly panned out for the team, but I, I'm really interested, actually, when you think about it, the quarterbacks that are coming up in this year's draft. I've been uh, keeping a close eye on those, but as far as the Saints score right now, they're in win-now mode. Let's just hope it pays off for them. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, and you're you're in you're in one of the one of the goofier divisions in football, <laughs> yep. where somebody new wins the division every single year, or seemingly they do. Anyway, I know the Panthers won it a few years in a row there, but you know when when that league started, when when they did the realignment back in two thousand and two. It was somebody went worst to first like every year for like the first six or seven years uh, of of that league, and then there's always been. I mean, I don't think it was until the Panthers finally did it that there was a repeat champion in that yeah. division. So I mean, that had to be great as far as you know morale and everything going in. Like, well, maybe we were in third place last year, but nobody yep. wins this thing every year, so everybody's yep. got a shot. And Absolutely. this is the you know with the same, with the Panthers kind of falling off. Um, you know, last season and, uh, you know, the, the Buccaneers are making a run. The Falcons did, you know, but at the same time, the Falcons also have the Super Bowl loser jinx hanging over their head <laughs> this season. Yep. So once again, you know, can the Panthers, uh, you know, reclaim, will the Buccaneers make that step or will the Saints be the one to come out of there if the Falcons can't defend the crown? So it really is kind of an exciting time this year in that division to see what's going to happen. It is interesting. When you look at it, the last two years, both teams from the NFC South have made the Super Bowl. Right. So you know what's competitive league, uh, competitive division in the NFC South. It's just a matter of who takes that first step and who uh, who reclaims the division. But a lot of teams right now, as far as uh, the division goes, are claiming the Buccaneers have it simply because of the um, the moves they made. But I believe, you know, that it might be a little biased because I'm a Saints fan. <laughs> but if the Saints can pull all the strings together and if they can get all the pieces working, despite their injuries over, over the off season, I believe they could contend possibly for a wild card. I wouldn't exactly go as far as to say the division is theirs because they haven't proved it yet. Right. So it's not even the preseason. And as far as it goes, we're, I'm only looking at what I've seen from minicamp uh, players uh, going against each other with no pads on and looking at the roster on a sheet of paper. So, but as far as it goes, so I'm excited to see what happens. So for all four teams in the NFC South for next year, especially the saints. But. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons that I, you can never quite count anyone in that division. out. No. Um, I mean, and then you, you, when you can go team by team and give reasons as to why, when it comes to the Saints, Drew Brees is obviously the number one reason. And then if they get the defense figured out and they start carrying up their end, you were 7-9 and nine last year without a defense. Imagine how good you could have been with one Absolutely. last season. Yeah. So, I mean, things could have been a lot more interesting in that division with the Falcons and, and everything had the defense been able to carry the load uh, last season. So, I mean, all the times that you scored over 30 points and lost football games last year, you know, that's not supposed to happen. You know, you're, <laughs> you're only supposed to need your offense to score 17 points and you got the, you got it in the bag. You know, you're not supposed to be giving up double and then expect your offense to bail you out. You want to know what interesting uh, stats to go along with that? There have only been two teams in the history of the NFL to have a 5,000 yard passer. I think it was 2,000 yard receivers and 1,000 yard running back. Uh, the Denver Broncos a few years ago when they saw Peyton Manning, I believe that year they made the Super Bowl. 
yeah. than last year with the New Orleans Saints. But unfortunately, if you don't have a defense, uh, you could have double those stats, and it still probably won't get you very far. You right, know? right. So, I mean, for the most part, you know, Breeze has been an ageless wonder. You know, yeah. I followed his career very closely for about four or five years because uh, I was in a keeper league and he was my quarterback that whole time. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so aside from, you know, costing me some points because – for every three touchdowns, he would throw two interceptions uh, kind of thing. Um, you know, he always kept me in the black as far as uh, winning and losing games uh, in my fantasy league way back when. So um, so looking ahead to 2017, uh, we look yeah. at the schedule. And right off the bat, um, it's going to be an interesting story because yeah. it's on Monday Night Football for starters. And Adrian Peterson is returning to Minnesota in his first game in a New Orleans Saints uniform. Yeah. I, I can't believe it either. You know when um uh, when the season first uh I'm sorry when the uh the schedule first came out and everyone was speculating, you know that day when you know once uh, one uh opponent would be revealed during this week, one opponent would be revealed that week. We didn't exactly get the first week, and all all of us Saints fans, especially the writers here, were wondering who is that first opponent going to be? How are the Saints going to set themselves off? further season. The interesting thing about the New Orleans Saints is, if you look uh, look back at some of their uh, seasons, you know, the losing seasons in particular against the winning ones, and you look at how many, I'm going to say the first four games, uh, what their record was, it really determines how they do for the rest of the season. The Saints are really prone to always having during, um, I would say like a relapse or anything in regards to that, but almost like a point where they come back, where they make things interesting. But it's always the beginning of the season that you sort of get um, you sort of get a determination, a determine you know of how the Saints are going to be that season by the first four games. So it's definitely interesting though to see the Minnesota Vikings in uh, prime time, especially though with Adrian Peterson's old team. That'll be interesting for sure though. Yeah, and in those first four games, you have the Vikings in Minnesota. That's a tough get. Then you're home for the Patriots to kick things off on the. The home schedule at Carolina, and then you're you're the home team in the UK uh, against the Dolphins. So two playoff teams, a recovering NFC champion, and a tough road game in the first four games. You are going to learn a lot about yourselves in the first four weeks this year. We will, we will, and hopefully the Saints this year. Uh, now, last year, I wouldn't exactly say this was their. Uh, I wouldn't uh, put all the blame on this. You know, you're only as good as what happens regards to injuries on your team. But last year, uh, like let's say uh, flash uh, flashback one year ago, the Saints were looking really good, but unfortunately as far as their secondary went, they lost a bunch of their players. You look at uh, Sheldon Rankins, who actually wasn't in the secondary, but on the defense in total, who broke his fibula and was out the first portion of the season. You look at our starting cornerback, Delvin Bro, he actually broke his fibula too, which is really upsetting. And by the time everything was said and done for the few for the first few weeks, they, the Saints were relying on fifth, sixth, and seventh string cornerbacks. They were relying on corners uh, such as Sterling Moore, who was formerly with the Buccaneers, and players like that to get everything done. And but hopefully this year will be a lot different as far as injury goes. But like you said, though, the Saints will know who they are by these first four uh, opponents. Yeah, as far as fifth, sixth, and seventh string guys, you're preaching to the choir because that's <laughs> that's what the Bears were having to do uh, with our wide receiving core, especially 
um, last year, but our secondary did experience some issues uh, like that. First of all, being the weak link on the defense and then, you know, going through, through injuries and, and, uh, and so on. So I definitely know. And our wide receiving core cost us a couple of football games last year. I mean, it wouldn't have made much of the difference, you know, with, with us finishing three and 13 uh, and everything, but that, that late push at the end of the season kind of sets the tone for the year to come. And um, they definitely let us down. That's for, that's for sure. I mean, and these were guys that were, you know, special teamers at best, but they're, you know, that's our, our X and our Z out there, uh, you know, playing on, on for, you know, first play, first quarter. These are guys that are starting when they should be, you know, on the bench drinking Gatorade and watching the game as opposed to being our primaries uh, on the uh, on the field. So that was your secondary of uh, last year. I definitely feel for you there. So yeah, it wasn't fun. It yeah, wasn't second fun. week, second year in a row there, a week five bye. Are you a fan of that? Is that something that the Saints requested? I know they got it because they're going to the UK week four and they usually get a bye week after that. But this is the second year in a row you've got a week five bye. You know, one of the first teams that's going to get a week off. I I think personally from watching the Saints for so many years. From what I've noticed, I believe the team is better when they have a bye week later, in contrary to actually having one earlier. I just believe that what the Saints go through, I think they sort of need more of a push for more opponents before they can sort of take a week off and say, look, where are we right now? Where do we recap? And where do we go from there? You know, when you look at the schedule this year, what they have is, like we said, at Minnesota, at New England, at Carolina, and in the U.K. for Miami, it's a tough tough end of the schedule. When you look at the next few games, for example, are going to be home for Detroit at Green Bay, then actually home for your Chicago Bears. It's just, I believe personally, uh, from what I've seen, the Saints play better if they have a bye week later to recap everything in regards to who they faced and what they're facing uh, against uh, this year when they have one so early. You know, but... Yeah, so after that, after the week five bye, like you mentioned, uh, yeah. you finish off the NFC North after that because you got Minnesota week one, and then yeah. after the week five bye, you got Detroit at home, at Green Bay, home for the Bears, and then yeah. your first matchup with the Buccaneers, yeah. um, and then at Buffalo, home for the Redskins, at Los Angeles, yeah. and then you're home for Carolina. Yeah. And then week 14, your first game against the Falcons, a Thursday night game on top of that, and then home for the Jets, home for the Falcons again. So, And that's old school NFL scheduling right there. When I was a kid in the 80s, you saw that on the schedule every single year that you would play somebody week four and then play them again week six. Because that, that happened with the, when the Buccaneers used to be in the old NFC Central. You would see that all the time. You know, you'd see the Bears would play the Buccaneers week four. They'd play somebody in between and then play them again week six. You'd see it happen almost every year, especially with those two teams. But that's yeah. that's old school right there. Week 14 at Atlanta, Thursday night football. You got the Jets. Then week 16 in New Orleans, you got the Falcons again. So they play each other twice in, in 17 days. Yep, and that's interesting. You look at the funny players last year, too. Uh, it wasn't the Falcons, but week 14, week 16, the Saints played the Buccaneers at Buccaneers week 14, and then in between they had at Cardinals, and then they were home for the Buccaneers. So, so it's really interesting, but the Saints seemingly always, it, it feels like year after year, near that bottom of, end of the schedule, they have opponents so close to each other, you know, division opponents. But 
Sometimes I feel like the, the NFL is uh, just using a template and, and plugging That's things baby. into it, you know, because the Bears for the last three out of four years have had the same bye week. Week nine, really? right, right in the middle. Week number nine, and then everything else goes in between. And the Bears have also had a habit of one half of their schedule follows one pattern, the second half of their schedule follows another. Like last year and this year, it was home, away, home, away, home, away for the first eight weeks by week, and then it got bunched up at the bottom. Two home games, two road games, two home games, two road games to, to, to yeah. finish things off. And then, you know, like last year, first four games, week five by, and then following, and then same thing this year. Four games, week five by, and then the rest of the schedule. And then at the bottom, week 14, week 16, you're playing the same team. So, you know, it kind of feels like the NFL is getting lazy on us and pulling ah, a template will just, you know, erase this and put new teams in here. And that's this year's schedule. That's so. Yeah, I hear you there. And then finally, to, to finish off 2017 on the last day of the year, 2017, December 31st at Tampa Bay uh, to finish out the year. So you got the NFC North and the AFC East as your uh, your divisional opponents uh, this year. And, uh, so go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, uh, fun fact, I never told you this, Larry, but I'm actually going with my dad to um, the Buffalo game, so I'll have an article about that, about that eventually, you know, um, uh, to um, preview that, and eventually when the game comes to uh, recap, but th- when I look at the schedule, uh, what I see is, you know, something that will test the Saints really early, and something that will really, uh, by, the, by, you know, uh, I'm going to say week eight, you'll know what this team is made of, the Saints will have already played, like we said, playoff teams. The Super Bowl defending champions, uh, they're going to be having primetime games. The Saints will know what they're made of and what they need to work on, hopefully by that bye week, but if not by halfway through the schedule is what I'm thinking. So um, you, you mentioned uh, Armstead uh, before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is, is, you know, is that serendipitous that you drafted Ramchick? Is he going to be the guy that takes his place? Uh, funny story about that is the Saints actually had two injuries uh, this offseason so far in regards to the offensive line. And we look at last year that actually their offensive line was, I, I wouldn't say like number one, absolutely the best, but it was solid. Despite the injuries last year, it was very solid. Now, what, to answer your question about uh, the offensive lineman we drafted uh, to replace Armstead, I believe at this point he probably has the best shot at, at replacing Armstead. The player that we're talking about, by the way, is Ryan Ramchak uh, from Wisconsin. He's a natural left tackle, selected with the 32nd pick in the first round draft. Um, the only thing that concerns me personally is, like, although he was pretty decent in college, he he's going into a position in the NFL where he's not only going to be protecting Drew Brees' blind side, but he's going to be facing premier defensive ends. You look at, uh, for example, the schedule. The New Orleans Saints play Minnesota Vikings. Danielle Hunter, who I believe had over 12 or 13 sacks last year, is an edge rusher who uh, Ramchak could possibly be going up against. You look at Vic Beasley, the outside linebacker, the defensive end that Ramchak will probably be going up against. That's the only thing that concerns me. I do believe, though, he probably will end up getting the start with Armstead's absence, you know, from injury. So he was drafted to be more of a right tackle then? Uh, yeah, he was He was drafted with the hopes of maybe having him sit here, 
uh, worst case scenario, our right tackle, who is actually Zach Streif, who mm. played with the, played in the Super Bowl. Right. Our our um our uh, focus was to have Ram check a takeover for Streif when Streif felt like you know I'm going to retire. I'm not physically being able to keep up, but unfortunately, with the way the Saints are and how their injuries happen, we had we're probably going to end up plugging Ram check in for our left tackle. So back to the um, the schedule. Was there anything sure. in particular that you were a fan of when you saw the schedule, um, or you know, I mean, aside from the fact that they were coming to you uh, in your neck of yeah. the woods in Buffalo, was there anything else that were like, oh, that's great, we get to play here, or this is a good time for mm. this game to be taking place, and so on? Actually, a couple. Yeah, actually, a couple things. The first thing why I like about the Saints is the Saints in years past have actually struggled when you look at um, multiple games like. How you mentioned earlier with the Bears, how sometimes things get really jumbled. I believe the same sort of struggle with uh, multiple road games at the same, you know, week after week or multiple home games. So I sort of like the pacing of the schedule. I mean, it is pretty hard at times, but I like how, for example, week 10 through 14, they go uh, away to home to away to home to away. You know, something like that where it's simple enough where the Saints can focus. Okay, we're home one week, we're away one week you know and mm-hmm. the other thing i really like about the schedule is the saints had really uh based off the teams they were going to play it could have been a lot worse you look at for example my neck of the woods buffalo you look at december times the saints could be in um snow and obviously a, new, a louisiana based team is probably not going to play very good in snow so i think the weather as far as the scheduling goes is in their favor for most of these games which i'm pretty excited about so if at this point in time, it's just going to be the Saints overpowering their opponents and hopefully getting out some wins. But I like the scheduling goes how that you know how that is. Yeah, looking at the the latter half of the schedule when weather can become uh, an issue, um, there you know they're in places where weather isn't an issue. Um, at Los Angeles um, around Thanksgiving, first weekend in December, at home for Carolina. At Atlanta, which is in a dome, uh, the only winter game you guys are facing at this point is Week 15. Actually, I take that back. That's a home game. The Jets. Yeah. Then home yep. for the home for the Falcons, and then at uh, Tampa yeah, Bay. So not which really means, yeah. So I mean, if once you get past uh, the Redskins, uh, Week uh, Week uh, 11, uh, November 19th, it's pretty much smooth sailing from there on as far as weather is concerned. Yep. So this this uh, this southern based dome team uh, will either be playing in a dome or be playing in friendly temperatures as far as <laughs> what they're used to uh, in the latter half of the season. Um, so hopefully that won't be a major um issue for us uh, for us. I would say if anything goes wrong, I guess we could just blame it on the friendly weather. The Saints are more used to uh, harsh climates, right? The Louisiana based team wanted harsh climates this season. Well, so I mean the the weather in New Orleans is pretty pretty awful i mean i think that's the, that's the footsteps of hell is is new orleans yeah. uh just because the the heat and the humidity uh down there is oh, uh, yeah. just uh just awful all that swamp yeah. around there just makes it uh terrible Super this time of year but um uh you know it's it's you know i've i've always liked the always liked the saints uh when i was a kid the you know the the pat swilling uh era on defense yeah. and uh, you know, when when the Saints finally got themselves into the playoffs after being the, 
the butt of the joke of the NFL for so many years. And, and, you know, those guys, um, you know, with Swilling and, and, and Ricky Jackson and, uh, you know, being able to with, um, oh, what's his name? Playoffs guy. Mora. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Mora. coach who first got into the yeah. playoffs. Yep. Yeah. You know, got him into the playoffs, the Bobby Bear days and, uh, and everything. And then the late eighties and early nineties, uh, I remember watching, watching those teams, uh, and everything. And then, um, you know, after Katrina and then that first Monday night game after Katrina with, uh, with the p- block punt and Steve the place, Houston, yeah. yeah, just damn near exploded when that happened. I was actually watching that game, uh, when it happened, that was in Oh six. And unfortunately the saints came up one game short, uh, of, uh, of the final goal that year, thanks to my beloved yeah. Chicago Bears, <laughs> but yeah. uh, that, probably not a fun day for you. But I sure as hell enjoyed it, um, you know, because I didn't enjoy what happened two weeks later in the Super Bowl against uh, Indianapolis. That's for sure. Yeah. But um, you know, I've always liked the uh, the Saints, and you know, you have always, as a fan of the league in in general, you know, to to watch players like Drew Brees and. And to follow his story, I mean, what happened and how he ended up uh, in New Orleans, you know, basically he was pushed out of San Diego. Yeah, uh, you know, his last game with the Chargers, he destroys his shoulder and, you know, goes on the free agency market and probably should have ended up in Miami as far as the future of the franchises comparing the two side by side, you know. But instead, uh, Miami decides they want Dante Culpepper, genius move, and... <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. Sean Payton talks uh, Drew Brees into coming to New Orleans instead of drafting a Vince Young or a uh, Matt Leinert out of college in the draft uh, yep. that year. And instead they go ahead and they get Reggie Bush when he falls into into their lap. And the next thing you know, the Saints are in the NFC Championship game and at the top of the NFC South, if not close to it, for quite a while because of the moves that were made in that particular offseason. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at... You know, the funny part is I, I read you uh, Drew Brees' book a long time ago that he wrote, you know, about the uh, specific uh, situation with Miami. And the thing is, they really wanted him, too. And it was close to being done. But when he went in for that medical, they wouldn't end up touching him with a 10-foot pole. You know, it, uh, just to give a concept about, you know, where they were with him. And then, you know, when they brought in Sean Payton and every, at the time, you know, no one really thought – well, the Saints could be Super Bowl winners at that time, but yeah. they slowly started getting pieces t- together, and it was it was an amazing memory, you know, just to know that Drew Brees could be validated with a Super Bowl reign, and I'm hoping, I'm really hoping they can get back there again, but they've got a long ways to go, that's for sure. Well, for Drew Brees' sake, I hope that that does yeah. happen. He's a, he's a guy that deserves to be back on that stage uh, one more time. I mean, he's... He was MVP of the one time that he got to go, you know, and uh, even though everyone remembers that, you know, it was Tracy Porter that helped seal that game. It was Drew Brees that won it for him. So, um, you know, that was a, that was an amazing uh, Super Bowl. I didn't see it coming. I thought that the, I thought the Colts were going to win that thing, but uh, you know, it turned out not to be the case uh, in that one, that one. And uh, you know, Drew Brees was masterful in that game. And then Tracy Porter put the nail uh, in the coffin. Uh, for him so but i mean i you know all the excellence despite you know the cast of characters that he's played with uh over the years and the five thousand yard seasons that he keeps racking up despite who he's throwing the football to you know this is a guy that that you root for to see get back to the uh to the big stage 
Yeah, absolutely. I really hope he does. You know, he he's a noble guy, and he he doesn't ask for much. You know, he he doesn't ask for the best players in the world. You know, look at uh, what they had when they won the Super Bowl. They had Marcus Colson, I believe, who was either a seventh round uh, draft pick or was an undrafted receiver. Marcus Colston. I remember this actually. There were only four players in the draft taken after him. Like really? there were like 256 players taken. He was 252. So really? yeah, there were there were literally like he was you know a few steps away from being Mister <laughs> Irrelevant, and yet he was like Rookie of the Year uh, candidate that year because of what he did yeah. in 06. I mean, talk about I mean hitting the jackpot. You sign Drew Brees, you draft Reggie Bush. The defense shows up for you, and you happen to hit on a late seventh round pick in Marquez Colston. So, I mean, that really was an amazing season for the, uh, you know, for this, for the saints. You, you look at any other thing, any other team though, with those players by rights, when you look at all the math, you have a quarterback who, uh, who is coming off an injury, uh, a coach getting his own new team, you know, all these almost like, um, ragamuffin kind of players, so to speak. I wouldn't call them that any other day, but you know, just to get the perspective by rights, you think at what you think what they've gone through, they wouldn't be able to reach those heights. But just the adversity they came over and what they were able to accomplish together, even what you said with the defense, Will Smith back then when he was alive was doing things for them, and it, it was just it was amazing, you know. And I hope Saints fans can experience that again before Drew Brees retires. Yeah, it was so, a, it was a great story, uh, yeah. for sure. You know, if it, if it. Uh... You know, I had a personal stake in 06 because that's the year the Bears made it into the into the Super Bowl uh, that year. But but well, I was I was afraid of the Saints going into the NFC Championship game. I knew I <laughs> I knew that I was backing a good football team, but yeah. that that offense could do anything. So I mean, it was just yeah. one bad afternoon by my defense, and we're watching the Super Bowl instead of playing <laughs> in it. So I wasn't yeah. I wasn't one of those Bear fans going around, you know, betting my house on 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 the game <laughs> or anything. It's like you know yeah. what, Breeze and and those guys, they're super dangerous, uh, you know, so I'm not, uh, you know, I think the Bears will win, but I'm not going to, I wouldn't bet my life on it, not not by a long shot. So, Absolutely. you know, and, and thankfully it uh, ended up working out uh, for the Bears. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, you know, and then obviously it was n- not all for nothing. The the Saints did their find their way back and uh, were able yeah. to close out the deal in, in 2000 and, uh, 2009. So. You know, it all worked out. But I would like it's to see. I would like to see Breeze get back one more time uh, before he hangs it up. So uh, and that's yeah. probably going to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, Hopefully, at this point. So, but uh, you know, uh, Tyler, it was uh, great having you on. I appreciate Thank you, you uh, to coming on. And what we like to do is uh, have everybody back the week sure. of uh, the game. So this year it's week number eight, just before my Bears on going to buy. Uh, week nine, and uh, so by that time, you guys will have what six, seven games uh, under yeah. your belt, and uh, we'll have you back on, and we'll uh, we'll compare notes, see what your team's been up to, and uh, yeah. see what we can look forward to uh, in that matchup that will be in the Superdome this time around. So that's absolutely, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Not a problem, man. It was my pleasure. Um, where can we uh, find the show? Where can we find you uh, online? Sure. Okay, so, well, first off, for those of you who haven't been listening, obviously everyone's listening, hopefully. Um, my name is Tyler Raymond. I'm a writer for the New Orleans Saints-themed Who That Dish, which is a part of Fan Sighted. You can find my work at whodatdish.com. If you want to look for mine specifically, it's whodatdish.com slash author 
slash T Raymond. You can follow me on Twitter to keep up with my latest articles that I post there at Raymond Tyler M. And as far as my podcast goes, I host a podcast weekly with a fellow writer of mine. His name is Dayton Brown. We do it every Monday around 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can follow that to keep up for the latest updates at on Twitter at the WDD Podcast. So, All right. So thank you so much for having me, Larry. I appreciate it. Not a problem. And we will see you again in October when the Bears and the Saints butt heads. <laughs> All right. Nice seeing you, man. Tyler Raymond from Who That Dish uh, Podcast helping us preview the 2017 New Orleans Saints. want to thank Tyler Raymond for coming on the show, helping us out with the 2017 Orleans Saints, and I uh, look forward to having him back on at the end of October when the Bears travel down to the Superdome to take on the Saints week number eight before the week number nine bye. So, um, you know, had a great conversation uh, with him. Looking forward to, uh, you know, to, to what the season holds uh, for the Saints. You know, like I mentioned during the show, the NFC South is one of those wacky divisions where, you know, aside from when the, the Panthers won it a few years in a row there, it's it's anybody's division pretty much every single year. I mean, the team that finished in last place can finish in first. And like we saw last year, we had talked about it last time with, with Brian Beversluis, um about the Panthers, was they went from first to worst, you know, top of the heap in the NFC in the Super Bowl to being dead last uh, in that division uh, last year. So stranger things have happened in the NFC South and it's definitely, uh, you know, poised to happen again. That's for sure. You know, the Falcons are still a good football team, but will the Super Bowl loser jinx uh, plague them the way it did uh, the Panthers uh, a year ago? Uh, will the Buccaneers finally, uh, you know, grab hold and, you know, build on this potential that they've been banking on the last couple of uh, years? Will the defense finally help the Saints get along? And, uh, you know, can the Panthers just rebound and just take it back from everyone? So, it's uh, it's really a wide open uh, division as far as I am, uh, uh, as far as I am concerned. So, um, you know, two more shows and we're done with the NFC South, and it's happening so fast. I mean, it's, it's crazy that um, you know this weekend is the last the last days of June, and uh, you know we'll we'll be having um, a couple of guys from Pewtercast, the a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, podcast, uh, Brent. Brent Allen and Ren Dax will be joining us uh, from the uh, from the Pewtercast uh, podcast for the Tampa Buccaneers. Um, I'm actually going to be talking to them tomorrow uh, on Thursday, but the show will probably come out uh, over the weekend, probably on Saturday, just to give this show here a couple of days to breathe before another one uh, comes out. But um, you know, Saturday, maybe Sunday at the latest, and then I've got the uh, the Atlanta Falcons, Nafisa Hussein from. Uh, from uh, I believe also fanside I've I'm sorry I absolutely it's like I said I've had to go looking in so many different places uh, to get guests uh, for the show uh, I believe she is from fansided blog and dirty is uh, is the name of the site and uh, Nafisa Hussein is where is uh, is her name she'll be joining us to talk about the defending NFC champion and our week one opponent in the Atlanta Falcons and then the good news folks Chris Gates Jeremy Reisman Evan Western from our SB Nation brethren uh, for the S- NFC North all agreed, and they are in to join us to wrap up the NFC North before we get to the Bears and close this whole thing out. So um, lots more to do. Like I said, this is only number eight of 14. We're past the halfway point. We still got a long way to go, 
before we wrap this thing up and head into training camp, the preseason, and then, God help us, the 2017 regular season. So, uh, you know, looking forward to it. The days are uh, getting smaller uh, all the time. So I think that uh, it's we're, we're less than four weeks away from, from training camp. Uh, you know, I think they start on the 26th. Today is the 28th. So, you know, we have like literally like 28 days, like four weeks from today, the Bears will be reporting to camp to get ready to kick off this year. So it's coming and it's coming fast. So um, anyway, uh, again, want to thank, uh, thank Tyler Raymond and Who That Dish and check out his podcast and, and his work online to keep up with what's going on with the Saints. And uh, when, we'll, when we come back, we'll have the Pewtercast guys here to help us preview the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And until then... My name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.